Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. One round of the Battle of Alberta in the books. Welcome to Hockey Central at noon, everyone. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon with you today as we react to a victory from the Calgary Flames over the weekend and get ready for Tuesday night's matchup with the Winnipeg Jets. Coming up in the hour, we will hear from Corey Sarich at the bottom of the hour, Pete Labardius in a matter of moments. Your texts always welcome at 960-960. A whole lot of offense on Saturday night. Here to help us break all of it down is Peter Labardius. Flames Insider, Peter Labardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering air miles reward miles visit geminigroup.ca good afternoon mr labardius how are you today i am awesome how are you i'm doing well thank you very much uh the the tone of this show changed over the last about 40 minutes of that hockey game on saturday um as the the tone of that game changed on saturday not a great start for the calgary flames but uh, a pretty good final 40 in my estimation uh what did you make uh, of saturday night's performance Well, let's begin with period number one and talk about the player that glued it together to give you an opportunity, and that was Jacob Markstrom. So you're outshot 17-3. to He made three or four ten bellers when McDavid and Dreisaitl and company had an out. That's as good a period as I've watched the Edmonton Oilers play, arguably, at any point when you think about the opponent. Um, all season long. But the Flames goaltender, they managed, and he helped it in a big way to stay in it. And then something occurred. Peter, here's how I watch games, all levels, all sports. When a team is struggling, sometimes out loud, and even by myself in the basement, I will ask this question. Who's going to fix this? Because that game, after the first period, I can't lie, probably as frustrating and somewhat disappointing as any period I've watched this season. So during the intermission, all I could think about is who's going to fix this. And then one line played a massive role in fixing it. And Jeff Ward set up his lines on Saturday night in a way to get balance. Speed, physicality. And a big move that was made is he played Milan Lucic on a line with Michael Backlund and Andrew Mangiapane. And against the Edmonton Oilers, what you are looking for against that group with their weapons is offensive zone time between their inability at times to get saves, defend, And the best way to defend great, elite, offensive people is by making them defend you. And that line had a good shift. They came out on the next shift, spent ozone time. You couldn't draw it up. They cycled down low, below the hash marks, and Milan Lucic tied the game. Okay, now you're on your way a little bit. And a very short time thereafter... More good offensive zone time. Use the defense. Involve everybody. Keep the Oilers on the back foot. Bingo. You know, a a play from his own zone. Milan Lucic sorts it out, makes a high flip pass, leads to a two-on-one. 
Backlund stays with it, drives the net, stops in front, bangs it home, and now it all of a sudden went from miserable to a lead. And that group, Mr. Klein, changed the whole game. They changed it. They helped fix it. And that set the way for everyone else to kind of join in, do the right things, generate, spend time. They didn't completely fix it on their own, but they sure as heck kick-started it. And they did it by playing the right way, how you have to play, moving Lucic with his big body presence. And again, talk about Milan however you want and understand that maybe the skill set isn't what it used to be, and he'd be the first guy to tell you that. But not unlike what we saw, you know, what you see in big games at key times. Who do you turn to? Who do you count on when it's hard? Well, that group, when it was hard, set the table, and then they ate. (laughs) Um, just one more on the, the Lucic front before we go further into his line mates. This is absolutely one of those I can't quantify it type of things, but I just see the reaction of his teammates when he scores. And it's like, I don't know how much that means, but it has to mean something when you see guys so genuinely excited for a player who gets a goal. And that just shows what he means to this group. It does. And it means a lot. Think about the celebration that you saw this year in Washington when Zdeno Chara scored. Right. That doesn't come for free. Think about the difference on this team that Markstrom and Tanev have made. And that's not just about getting buy-in. That's where it starts in a lot of places, Peter, on the ice. But the thing that people don't realize about Milan Lucic, who loves the game, who has always embraced it, is incredibly emotional. What people don't see on the outside is the difference you can make in how you support and invest in others. So here's an example. Do you think Dylan Dubé hasn't benefited from spending quality time both at the rink and away from the rink with Milan Lucci? Oh, absolutely he has. So the impact that you have with somebody who has won, who's been there, he's won it more than just the NHL level. He's a great historian of the game. To listen to him some days, I remember an early Zoom call this year where he was breaking down shifts from the 2011 playoffs. You don't think you don't have to be dialed in to be able to go back and do those kind of things? And do you think every player in the league has the capability to do that? (laughs) They don't. So even though some nights as a fan, you might watch someone who doesn't necessarily impact the game exactly the way that you want him to, you know, are there some blunders sometimes? Does he have some better nights? And others, yes. But understand, in every business, in every team, it's not just sometimes what the individual does. It's the rub-off 
that you have on your teammates? Who makes you better? Who helps develop your people? Who teaches them how to do it? That is one of Milan Lucic's greatest strengths. And I've seen it in him since he was a 17-year-old member of the Vancouver Giants because he's all in and he cares about winning and he loves the game and there is rub-off. And guess what? Has he gone through a lot of trials and tribulations? Yes, he has. I heard Jeff Ward talk about it with the morning show today. When he lost his father, and, and you know, I spent time around Milan during his junior days and, and, and saw some of that family chemistry and relationship. And then for Milan, he lost his father. And not too long after that, and, and I don't want to speak for him, and, and I probably am out of, out of line now, but I think a lot about people and what they go through, and it matters. And we heard from him himself talk about, at a certain point last year, he was wondering himself, because he wasn't fine. Peter, I can't explain this any other way, unless you've gone through it. There, I don't know of many things harder than when you find incredible joy and passion and fulfillment and excitement in something that you love to do, and it's not the same anymore. It's changed. Something has happened. It's not fun. You're not producing the way you once once did. You're not having the same kind of impact. But the thing I love about this guy is is I know what's inside there. And I've seen it for a long time. And while he's not going to necessarily make or break you, be the best player on the ice the way certain people look at it, what does he mean to your group and, and the leadership? So when you talked about that observation, we don't care hard for people that we don't like, but we sure as heck do when we do. Yeah. Um, and as you mentioned before, part of that line too that was so effective was Michael Backlund. And I, oh. I don't think it's a, a secret that he hasn't really had the start to the season that he would want, that the Flames would want, or certainly that the fans would want. Uh, but that was back to vintage Michael Backlund last night, and that would be a huge boost to get that dude clicking on all cylinders again. What's like? I'm an old guy, so is it? Uh, I can't remember who who sings that song about get your sexy back. Is that <laughs> Timberlake? Timberlake? Is yeah. that Timberlake? Yeah. Well, yeah. Michael Backlund. Uh, it's not about getting your sexy back, but got a swagger back. And I don't have to repeat it again. But when Michael Backlund plays at a high two way level for this team. It usually spells nothing but good results. And, you know, I think Michael self-admittedly would say that there's been ups, there's been downs. But his performance, Peter, took me back to February the 25th of last year. And if you're not familiar, that was a game in Boston against the Bruins, against, you know, the perfection line and and what the Bruins can throw at you. And Michael Backlund, as part of a 28-point and 28-game run, which he carried into the postseason this summer, was exceptional. He had two goals and an assist in the game, incredibly impactful. So the other night, 21 and a half minutes, seven shots on goal. 
His whole three-point game since then. Oh, and how were his matchups against McDavid and Dreisaitl all night long? Michael Backlund addresses it now. Sexy, swagger, whatever you want to talk about. That was Michael Backlund Saturday night at his best. You know, we talk a little bit about uh, having more swagger when we're down. We get down in games. I mean, we don't want to get down in games, but we have lately. Um, we got to get that swagger back that we know we're going to come back and we know we're a good team and doesn't matter how games go. Um, so I thought that was a big thing for us in secondary, coming out with a lot, of, a lot more energy, a lot more confidence, swagger to our game, uh, playing more in the old zone, uh, having more, more puck. So... Uh, I thought that was a big step forward for us, for sure. Well, and it, it, it's easy to get the sexy back when you're wearing Blasty on your chest, too. But, yes, that, that's what you're certainly is that, is that Is that what it is? Yes, yeah, I, that's what I'm going to attribute it to, uh, okay. the, the fantastic uniforms last night. Couldn't be anything else. Um, as we chat with uh, Peter Labardius here. Um on Hockey Central at noon, and uh, the the Flames coach, Jeff Ward, also uh, understanding, uh, probably subtly under the importance uh, of Blasty, but also the importance of, of Michael Backlund. Well, Michael's, you know, he's one of those players. Um, he plays such an important role for us. And, you, you know, if you look at where he was last year in the bubble, uh, really, really strong performer for us. Uh, when he moved back to center, you know, became a real, real strong performer from, uh, for us. And we talked last year after the move back to center where, you know, I really felt like he was playing at a Selkie caliber level. And uh, he's got confidence uh, playing against anybody. He likes the challenge of going against elite players, and he relishes that. And uh, the thing about him is that he plays a 200-foot game. So not only can it was huge for us, but he's, uh, he's such an important piece of uh, our team and what we're able to do, and he showed it tonight. Uh, as mentioned, chatting with our Flames insider, Peter Labardius here on Hockey Central at noon. I'm Peter Klein. He is Logan Gordon. Peter, I'm just curious how important it is for this team to come out and have uh, another good effort tomorrow night when they uh, finish off this two-game homestand because we've talked so much about the inconsistencies of this team and it's been an up-and-down start to the year. What would going out and having a good performance tomorrow mean for this team? Well, it means everything, Logan, because this team's ability to get where it wants to get to, which would begin with a playoff spot and solidifying one of the top four places in the Scotia North Division, comes with more consistency, comes with an effort that, you know, you can put on the table most nights and be really, really happy of an effort that gives you an opportunity. And, You know, we have already seen a lot of the Winnipeg Jets this season, haven't we? We've seen them four times. Um, You know, the Jets provide real challenges. Now, even more potentially of a challenge because we're going to see Pierre-Luc Dubois make his debut. We just talked about Michael Backlund. Um, The depth of the Winnipeg Jets now up the middle of the ice in particular with some terrific wingers to go along and heavy and hard. You know, the Jets, yes, they've lost line A, and I don't want to make light of that. Don't know how the fit is going to be. And tomorrow, by the way, Logan, won't even be, 
you know, don't judge everything on Pierre-Luc Dubois tomorrow. He'll have great energy. Um, I have no doubt that he'll play at a very energized and high level. But, you know, all of a sudden, when you go down the middle and you're looking at Shifley, Dubois, who they might use on the wing, um, Lowry and Stassi, my goodness. You know, with people like Wheeler and Connor and Ehlers and the development of Andrew Kopp, um, Mason Appleton, that's a good team up front. They're going to provide, you know, if they can find the fit and the chemistry with Dubois and make it all work and everybody's happy and, you know, you distribute all the ice time and everybody feels a part of it, that's a handful. That is an absolute handful. So as far as the Flames are concerned, um, it's a team they know better than any. They've played them four times. All the games have hung in the balance. Winnipeg adds another piece. The Flames are coming off, you know, a building block. But building blocks matter, you know. Were you guys fans of Lego? I was. I was, yes. Okay, I, 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 I wasn't. But, you know, Lego, I think, are building blocks. So building blocks allow you to assemble really good things if you keep taking the good pieces and putting them in the right place. And, and that isn't a one-game situation. That's not a two-game situation. But, but that's over time. And, you know, even in the framework of their lines and how those match up, and we'll get deeper into that, um, you know, with Bennett now playing with Monaghan and Gaudreau, um, have to give absolute kudos to the heavy lifting that Elias Lindholm, I, I, I can't tell you how impressed I am with this guy day in and day out, the move to center, you know, t- giving you 22 minutes, a lot of different nights. So, it's an exciting challenge for the Flames again against the Jets, who they're very familiar with, and not unlike the scenario against the Oilers, although different and very different, because while the Jets' back end, you know, isn't probably what you would look at on paper as creme de la creme, they've done a really nice job with the people that they have. But for the Flames, like the game against the Oilers, your ability against the Jets to make them defend you for longer stretches of time, you need ozone time. You need it. Because you know what's coming back at you potentially the other way. So really excited to see Winnipeg again with Dubois. And, and Winnipeg tests you guys because, as we talked about last week, you know, Winnipeg didn't has not overwhelmed Calgary in any of those games. What they were able to do is execute when it mattered the most. That, for me, was the difference. You know, and, and getting to, to hard places and being gritty and digging in and, you know, going into high danger and traffic areas and winning races and, and winning 50-50s. That, that's kind of what separated those two teams so far at times this season. So, you know, Chapter 5 is going to be another good one. I guess we should touch on 
the the Sam Bennett aspect of all of this, and he scores a goal, and he's on the the line with Goudreau and Monahan, and you know the the talk about this isn't going away. And at practice today, he seemed to have been in that spot once again for you know tomorrow's game, or at least ahead of tomorrow's game. That looks like he'll be in that position again. What what do we make of all of this, Lou? Because we go from you know, seeming like we were at the end of it and he was scratched and I don't know how you reconcile this to now he's, you know, on one of the top lines on the team in a very important spot and all of a sudden he's contributing Saturday night. Logan, let me ask you that question. Where do you see it at this point after the last chapter being where he was and how he played? Has it changed anything for you coming out of Saturday night. I don't know if, if one game will will have changed it for me. I think that it's as of right now. I think I sit where we've probably sat for the last couple of years with Sam Bennett, and it's that we. I think we've all known that there's this sort of potential, and he's certainly got this game in him somewhere. But getting it to come out at times when it's not just the playoffs is you know, always the be-all, end-all of the conversation. And now we sit at a point where uh, I, would he, you know, succeeding on that line overly stun me? No. But at the same time, in the back of my head, I sit there and think, now all of a sudden, if it's successful, have you crossed the line where you need to trade him? I, I don't know. So I don't know that one game's changed it for me, but it, it certainly reminded me, I guess, of, you know, part of the conversation we've always had with Sam. So I want to move it away from the conversation that we've always had. So here's where it is for me. Um, we want finality, don't we? Is, isn't that where we go? I think we want finality with this situation. But I think the focus really has to change with Sam to we can only work with what we know. And yes, both sides have been unhappy with one another, that is evident. That's very evident. I don't know where, you know, the end game is going to get to. And, you know, sometimes in sports talk radio, and it's fun, and it paves the way for good conversation. But I try my best to be out of the prediction business. And with Sam playing with those two gentlemen right now with the options that you have, where the storyline has gone... I completely understand why, again, he will suit up where he will. And if that's a good spot for him and the team, what, what Logan in sports generally decides where you are, what, where you stay, and what people believe? Your play? That it, it's, it's your play. And it's about changing the, the play narrative from – inconsistency or we don't know what to expect to know what to expect. And in the regular season, that has been the challenge for Sam Bennett. So when I think about where it is, we know where it is. Frankly, maybe some hard things have been said on both sides of the equation. This is, it's, it's a business relationship. That's how I look at it right now. It benefits both sides if Sam Bennett is a good player. And Sam's in a pretty good spot right now. So 
That's all I can say. And when I think about the matchup against the Jets, yeah, the same thing I felt in many ways about, you know, the Oilers. Is is that a spot where Sam is going to feel like he's going to play with good players? Yes. Does he give that line heaviness and physicality and a forecheck presence? Yes. Do the other two gentlemen on that line require it? Absolutely. So for right now, with the team, with the lineup, what we know and don't know, for today and to start tomorrow, Sam Bennett's probably in the place that suits everybody the best. And we will see how it all plays out, as I'm sure this story has a couple more turns before we finally get that finality that you were mentioning, Peter. Uh, Thank you for this, and we'll, we'll chat on a Flames game day tomorrow. Okay, guys, thanks for the conversation. Have a great day. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. It's not just Logan and I who get to ask the questions. You can as well with Lou's Mailbag here on Hockey Central at noon. Send in your questions to sportsnet.ca slash 960. Tune in Fridays at noon to see if yours is answered. If it is, you'll be walking away with $100 to Ruth's Chris. Winners will be selected weekly until the end of the regular season. Brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. When you hear the sizzle of the best steak in town, you can't help but get excited. And at Ruth's Chris, they can't wait to celebrate with you again soon. Go fly. Flames. We continue the Flames conversation on the other side. What turned the tide in round one of the Battle of Alberta? Corey Sarich will explain up next. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Continuing our breakdown of Saturday night's Battle of Alberta between the Flames and the Oilers here on Hockey Central at noon. We go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to chat with former Calgary Flame defenseman Corey Sarich. Corey, happy Monday, sir. How are you today? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Doing all right. Uh, Very, very cold. Uh, A little uh, little lighter in the wallet today after uh, missing out on a few Super Bowl props, but we're talking a Flames win, so it's not too, too bad, I guess. No, it's, uh, that's definitely one bonus. Yesterday's game was definitely not as entertaining as we thought it was going to be, but, uh, man, I was super impressed with the, with the uh, Bucks defense yesterday. Who knew they had that in them? Yeah, no kidding. That, that was quite the performance. If you could give a whole group MVP, uh, I think that they would. Um, I think that they would have earned that one. And it, it's funny that, uh, of course, the defenseman from the NHL goes to the the defensive side of the football as well. Um, you talked about the, uh, the the Super Bowl, maybe not necessarily living up to expectations. Uh, Saturday night was, uh, I think, an entertaining hockey game, but not necessarily one that was high on the the emotional side of things. Did did that surprise you at all? Yeah, it did a little bit. I thought this game would have a little bit more bite to it. Um, it was interesting. I was talking with my brother-in-law last night, who him and I played a little bit of junior hockey together. This is not Nick Schultz, who is uh, my other brother-in-law, who played a lot of NHL games, but my brother-in-law, Jeremy Kufflick. And he was pointing out the fact that when he was playing in Regina with the Pats versus the Moose Jaw Warriors, they were down-the-road rivals. They absolutely hated each other, but it was either you have a very clean game where no one steps over the line like last night, 
or else it's just a complete annihilation, bodies flying everywhere, penalties being handed out, line brawls, you name it. So this kind of fit that category. And when I think back to my own career, it kind of tends to be that way with rivals. It's either sometimes all or nothing. And I'm sure we all prefer the games where it's everything and mayhem out on the ice. Yeah. No, exactly. And it's it's funny because you see all the penalty minutes in the first period from the Flames and it's, oh, wow, this game must have got out of hand. And it's uh, roughing and a puck going out of play and a holding call. It's like, oh, well, this isn't exactly what I was expecting. Um, and, and kind of a, a bit of a slow start for the, the Flames as well. They get the goal early on. Uh, but after that, a, a period controlled by Edmonton. And I thought there was the, that lack of emotion, I thought, kind of hurt the Flames. But what did you see in the first 20 minutes from Calgary? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, obviously, disjointed because of the penalties. Um, a couple of tough penalties. I thought I thought there were even a few calls throughout that game for both teams that were mm, a little bit questionable. But back to the, the first point we're talking about, emotions. Maybe the emotions didn't run high in the game, but as a fan, man, I found myself teetering on the edge again. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. These guys are just going to lay another egg. And then by the end of the game, you're actually quite impressed. So it was peaks and valleys for everybody watching that game. But again, I think what this team is striving for is that consistency and that starter of the gate that is energized and then being able to carry that all the way through, not having to wait until the second to build that energy. But if, if I, in the Flames defense, uh, maybe give them a little bit, uh, the disjointed because of penalties, but I still think they have to do a better job of establishing their forecheck early, which again, they waited until the second period to be able to do. You've been in many locker rooms and I'm sure that there have been times where games have switched like that. What happens? Like there wasn't, like we said, there's no crowd that rallies you back into it or anything like that. And the team that showed up in the first period is exactly the opposite of what we saw in the last 40 minutes. Is there something that gets said in the locker room? Is there just an understanding of, hey, let's try not being crappy for a period and see how that goes? Like how, how does something turn so quickly in the midst of a game like that? Well, you know what? It, it was. It was. It's good to see. I mean, obviously, we don't like the start, but if something was said in the dressing room, which I'm sure it would have been, and the response is that, I mean, even though they've had a few of these kind of ugly games, like the one against the last one against the Jets, not great. The one before that was kind of a two parts game again, but they are shown resiliency, which is. <sighs> I'm hoping that that is productive. I'm hoping that's a sign of a team that's figuring it out and going the right direction because I think we were arguing a little bit and we have or discussing or arguing this year that this team also is kind of still doing the things it's been doing in the past. So I, I think as we get further along into this schedule, we'll be able to pinpoint whether it's a repeat of itself or well, whether this is a pattern of growth and they're actually figuring things out because for them to be able to turn the page and have a second period like they did and have um, Backlund's line have one of their best periods of the year. Um, it was a positive, and I'm going to try to just picture it as that. Yeah. 
Um, and, and one of the things that kind of turned that, that game around from a Flames perspective, when we talked about turnovers coming out of that, that Winnipeg game, those seemed to kind of go away as the game went along. And I, I don't think it's a, a coincidence that all of a sudden the, the turnovers go away and the Flames start to play better. Yeah, turnovers went away and turnovers for offensive chances went away. Like it's, it's one thing to turn the odd puck over here and there. When you're doing it constantly, leaving your end and it results in transition or not getting it deep and establishing that forecheck, it can really can really bite you. And I think they were about right on par with Edmonton's turnovers as well. So, you know, that just speaks to the fact that, that you're in the hockey game. When they're as lopsided as they were against Winnipeg, the, the game before, like 20-some turnovers by the Flames and 10 by the Jets, I mean, the writing's on the wall, usually. So it's good to see that they, that they tidied that up and – you know what it translate, or maybe it didn't translate into, but what went hand-in-hand hand with this was the Flames' puck management in the third was extremely smart. They put pucks to make the Oilers play 200 feet. They chased down some of those pucks. They weren't stubborn. They actually had good changes. Um, their team wasn't selfish on the power play. Like, the first line came off a couple of times. I don't know if that's coaching or if that's themselves, even on the power play when things aren't clicking. Even the other part of your power play and opportunity. They just played a really smart game in the third, coupled by some big saves by Markstrom, and it was pleasant to see. Chatting with Corey Saric here on Hockey Central and noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. I'm Peter Klein, also joined by Logan Gordon. Corey, I don't know how often it uh, goes where you go from a healthy scratch to being on one of the uh, top lines in the league when they're going. But that's the situation Sam Bennett found himself in Saturday. Before we get too far into it, uh, what did you think of Sam on uh, Saturday against the Oilers? Well, I I thought two games ago Sam Bennett had a very solid game. Um, or maybe it was three. Then I felt his play dipped, and then we've got him scratched. And now here he is back again. I thought he was very consistent. I thought he complimented that line the other night. And... I was very impressed by actually the whole line's defensive play in the third period and their decision-making. And then it resulted in um, a, a, their actually their defensive play resulted in um, uh, Johnny Gaudreau's goal, which, which was, which was very timely. And then Sam Bennett's as well, just a good forecheck, good effort, uh, a decent entry with a little help from the linesman on Bennett's goal. But yeah, it, it was good to see. And, I mean, if Sam could find himself a spot in that line, it provides a lot of bet, a lot of balance. Um, what did you see out of him that night, Logan? I thought he was doing some of the the good things that we like to see him doing. Uh, he seems to be one of the few guys that is willing to commit to a uh, you know getting himself on a body when he goes in on the four check, and uh, I really like to see that. I think that's when he's at his most effective, and he can cause some of those down low problems. And I think that. You're right. I think that could be a nice fit with 13 and 23 if he can get to do that on a night-in, night-out basis. But I guess, as usual, that's the conversation we have most times when we talk about Bennett is, can he do that night-in, night-out? Yeah, and with his last few games, I feel like he's done a nice job of not taking those bad penalties that he's notorious of doing. Um, They've been few and far between this year, so maybe he's showing some growth in that area. If he could figure it out, then these lines for the Flames would be extremely balanced. Um, you've got a guy on each line that would be able to go and dig the puck out, like uh, Kachuk. You've got Bennett. You've got Lucic, who are willing to go to those dirty areas. You've got 
some defensive, more defensive-minded players in your sentiment on each line, and then you've got some offensive compliments on those lines. So, I mean, it, it, it would be a great situation if Sam can figure it out because if he can get some consistency in his game and just bring it every single night, whether it's physical or whether it's offensive, just, just showing up in one facet or the other, I mean, I, I, hope, I do hope they give him a shot. As much as I've ragged on him for not having figured it out, this far into his career again, he, he gives us a little taste again last game and it's it, I guess it might even be a little bit frustrating yeah and that's and that's what I was curious and that was my next question for you is it, you think that it's it's worthwhile at this point to try to let him ride it out on that line and and see what he can do even if it does go up and down a bit like we're used to with him I I mean as a player speaking from a player's perspective if you can have someone show some faith and confidence in you or even give you some some directives, like I've had points in my career where I haven't been playing my best hockey, but the coach has assured me that I'm the guy and that he's going to give me a chance. If you can you know, clean up the same mistakes that you've been making on a nightly basis, if you can work those out of your game, the ones that have crept in, if you can put forth the effort, which as a pro you should be able to do night in and night out, and they just allow you to go play without wondering with every mistake whether you're going to be stuck on the bench or your minutes are going to be completely reduced. You could be out of the lineup uh, in Sam's in Sam Bennett's case. If they maybe freed up his mind and he was able to relax and just get after it, you never know. That does work for some players. My last one for you, Corey. What's the what's the message or what's the the overall thought for this group heading into tomorrow's game against Winnipeg. We've, we've seen them have these spurts where they've had a good game here and there. And then sometimes they follow it up with a bit of a dud the next game. Uh, what is the team really looking at? What do they need to do? Well, uh, tomorrow night to keep this going. Well, not turn the puck over like they did last game against the Jets. It was an absolute killer. And, the Jets were very poised defensively, and they, they just waited for all their opportunities. Um, I think they've got to be self-fueled in there. You just lost your against the Jets. Uh, you're, you're playing against you're playing divisional games all year long. This game, um, the rest of the month, I think, is every other night, coupled with a few um, backs jammed in there. So it's been the inconsistencies. So tomorrow night, they can build off of that third period and how they can talk. They can build off the offense. But I just think it, it comes down to internal determination and better puck manage against the Winnipeg Jets. Be, and uh, they'll match up well against them. Corey, awesome as always, man. Thank you for this. And uh, yeah, we got a game on Tuesday, so we'll chat again Wednesday. Yeah, that sounds good. And uh, stay warm, boys. See Corey. Uh, absolutely we'll not be able to, but we'll try. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good one. All right. Cheers. There is uh, Corey Sarich as we break down every Flames game with the former Flames defenseman. And we do so on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. The best pizza past the steaks and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive in the northeast time for us to take a break uh we will continue with hockey central at noon here on sportsnet 960 the fan 
Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. On one hour of hockey talk for your lunch hour here on Sportsnet 960, the fan Peter Klein and Logan Gordon continuing with Hockey Central at noon. Logo, obviously football dominating the conversation over the weekend, but uh, a few hockey storylines to watch out for. We've talked about the Canucks struggles a bit on this show. They did not get better over the weekend as it was never close against Toronto. 5-1 leaves the final. The, the Canucks now with the not-so-nice record of 6-9-0 and to start the season. And it's not so much that the record isn't great, although the record isn't great. It's how they've gotten to that record that is a little rough. As this was a team that we thought would take a step back, has taken a gigantic one back. And it feels like now once a week we're having the what is wrong with Vancouver. But again, I ask can this team be fixed? Like where are we, I guess, are we changing our perception of the Canucks now that we are close to a month into this season? Well, I think the perception's changed. I, I, I've seen enough out of this team to, to know that I, I like probably a lot of teams underestimated what they lost and uh, the guy's ability in that locker room right now to, to bounce back from that. They're 15 games in Klein. It's not a, it's not a small sample size. That's the most in the NHL. Uh, you got, you know, throttled by Toronto in the first game and you had no response in the second game on hockey night in Canada. Nothing. You, you mentioned it five, one. That's not close. That's if that's your response. Wow. I can't wait to see what you do tonight against the exact same team. That's the best, uh, one of the best in the league right now. Toronto leads the league in points after 12 games. They got nine wins on the season. I just I think maybe it's just come to the point where I thought they had enough in that room to survive the losses that they sustained over the off season, but uh, I'm starting to doubt that now. I think that you know I expected Thatcher Demko to have some some ups and downs. He's still a young goaltender, and I think that they were right to bring in Braden Holpe. But I mean, cliche or not, they can't stop a nosebleed from going into their net right now. It's just it's brutal. And they just don't seem to have the the fight or the pushback. Uh, it kind of feels like they're waiting for something to happen, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, they're really just like, at this don't. point, they're just yeah. like, well, look, we did all that we can. Somebody's got to change something here, whether that's the coach or, or the GM. They're just kind of sitting back and waiting for something to happen. Yeah, and, and I, like, I don't know what that change is. I don't think you fire the coach. Um, and I, like as a GM, like, I, I don't know what trade this team can make unless you're going out and bringing in a Sam Bennett. But if you're looking for Sam Bennett to help with the consistency of your hockey team, I have wonderful beachfront pro- property to sell you as well. Um, like th- this is, this team's in a lot of trouble. And, and one of the things that I think is interesting about this season is how difficult it is to turn things around. Because like you look at some of the factors that we would have for turning things around, sometimes it's a team bonding experience on the road. Well, can't do that. Sometimes it's just being galvanized by your hometown fans. Well, can't do that either. And so you just kind of have to sit and stew with all of this stuff. Like it it really is going to take the guys in that room to turn things around. But I, I just... I don't see it with this team. And we've been over this about the roster construction a thousand times. One of the frustrating parts has to be 
you're wasting a great year from Bo Horvat so far. Like this is the, the best year that your captain's mm-hmm. had as a pro and it's just going away. And then you see stuff last night, like JT Miller with the, the old, your uh, controller has been disconnected move a couple of times and Brayden Holtby gives him a death stare, but it, it does feel like they are in an absolute death spiral out in Vancouver right now. Well, and this is the, the biggest problem this year, too, I think, for this. And it's it's probably why Flames fans or, you know, any team that's struggled so far is, has kind of worried is it doesn't get any easier. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like not, not that Calgary's been world beaters, but they have Toronto tonight and then they have a whole two days off and then they welcome in the Flames for three and then they finish a four-game set with Calgary next week. They start four. And then it's Winnipeg. Then it's Edmonton. It's like... There's just no pushovers in this division. Yes, you had your time against Ottawa, and that's great. But as we've learned, every other team is going to give you a challenge night in, night out. So unless you're playing Ottawa every night, and guess what? I can look at the schedule and tell you that you're not. You need to turn things around because it's not. no one's going to give you wins in this division. There is no, there's no L.A. and then, oh, we get San Jose for a couple or – you know, oh, we can take it a little easier. We got the Coyotes. They're just there's one team in this division that is awful, and it's Ottawa. Yeah, and the rest of them, man, it's gonna be a war, and you're gonna have to see Toronto more. You're gonna have to see Montreal more. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just I don't know. I, there's not certainly a gap in the schedule that's coming up that really makes me think. Oh, okay, Vancouver's got some time to turn it around. They had their turnaround. They beat Ottawa for three. Yeah. Imagine if they didn't have those games, what we'd be talking right. about for this team. Well, again, and I bring this up every week. They outscored Ottawa 16 to three and their goal differential for the season's minus 11. That's do not the good. math on that. That's and not it, good. No, do the math on that. And it real hurt really hurts for Vancouver. And if you're looking for a team, like we say, there's only one team in this division. That's kind of the, the get right opponent. There might be two now. And looking at you, West Coast. Yeah, it might be you. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. And to your point, like, you don't get the, okay, well, we got Detroit, and then here's a, a West Coast trip against uh, the, the Kings and the Sharks and the Ducks, and that, that'll help us get back on track. A, you don't have that. B, you already kind of had it with Ottawa, and that helped you for one extra game. That's it. So, yeah, this Canucks team, I think, is in real trouble. And then you get into – and it does seem a little early to just completely write them off. There's still 41 games left in the season, but you get into the, okay, where do they go from here? Part of it. What do they do with Travis green? What's Jim Benning's future? couple important contracts coming up for the Vancouver Canucks. Mm-hmm. So it, it feels like this is, this is a real rough stretch for, uh, for Vancouver. Well, and and, um, sorry, Peter, sorry just, to, just to that point, you mentioned the offseason. like even then, even if you get rid of Benning, the problems that he's created are still here. Like, you know, you talk about yeah. money coming off the books. Sutter comes off. Pearson comes off. Edler comes off. Uh, Jordy Ben comes off. That should, that that's for sure going to give you enough room to potentially get Hughes and Pedersen signed. Don't be wrong. That's very important, but you, then you just lose four guys. The, yeah. Like you're not in a position clearly this year to just lose four guys. What does <laughs> what has to change? You know what I mean? Like Louis yeah. Erickson clearly doesn't care that you scratch him for ten games because you owe him six million dollars this year and next year, and the guy's not messing around to go to Sweden. 
He's not just going to say goodbye to his $6 million over the next two years. It's just not happening. Like, I don't know what the answer is to this because, yes, you do get cap space this offseason, but when you have two absolutely massive guys to sign in Pedersen and Hughes, that cap space goes along or goes away very quickly. And then what do you do? Uh, you lose a lot. You Logan cry. What happens? You worry <laughs> yes. and you cry. <laughs> Worrying and crying. The Vancouver Canucks story. Uh, so they take on Toronto tonight. If we haven't sold you enough on that, subscribe now to Sportsnet now so you can watch the game. Um, and again, speaking of teams that have trouble with other teams, Edmonton taking on Ottawa tonight. I'm just going to blindly bet the over. Although last time these two teams played, they hit right at six, which was kind of infuriating. Uh, that's going to do it for Hockey Central at noon today. Once again, all of it was coming out of the Iconic Studio, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. Proudly owned and operated from Western Canada since 2008, Iconic takes great pride in giving back to the communities we all work and live in. Diversity, it's Iconic. Contact them today at IconicEC.ca. Some lessons learned from Super Bowl 55 on the other side as we start the big show on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. So we got a bunch of motor mouths on afternoons, eh? They're not done talking yet. It's the big show on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Live from the iconic studio, powered by iconic electric and controls in the heart of downtown Calgary, this is Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Diversity, community, social responsibility. It's iconic. Contact them today at iconicec.ca. All sports, all the time.